Now, I don't mean that by no cut down whatsoever. I know how it is. I remember in the beginning, I used to be searching and searching, and they done finished reading by the time I found where I was at. But it ain't going to be that way today, y'all. Genesis 1, 1, all the way back to the beginning. I have been fighting a cold this week, so I need y'all to pray for me. And uh, if I don't be real friendly with you, I just there's just some things I don't want to share. Amen? <clears throat> Genesis 1, 1. We're talking this week and this month about finding a way to get through this crisis and survive. Uh, listen, everybody needs to know this. None of this is a surprise to your Savior. None of this is. This is, a, this is a situation, it's probably the worst economic situation in, in most everybody in here's lifetime. Not everybody, but most everybody in here's lifetime. Most people's never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. This is not just a community thing. Sometimes a community will go down, maybe they'll lose some industry, <clears throat> and they will go down, but then it's not affecting the state. Well, then sometimes the state has a rough time. Uh, then, then sometimes the country has it, but this is a global situation. This is a global situation. The one word you hear come up all the time, uh, it's global. And, and listen, that should, not, that should not scare you. That should excite you. Amen. That really, she said, preacher, why in God's name should I be excited about that? Because uh, everything that's happening globally, there's got to be a global problem for a global hero to step up and fix the global problem. You say, well, who's that global hero? That global hero is called the Antichrist. And the only time the Antichrist is going to step forward is right after we're gone. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching on the rapture. Amen. No, we can't. Listen, church, I got I to gotta, I gotta confess something. This is really not my comfort zone. And I, there's two subjects nobody wants to talk about in church. That's money and sex. I'm going to talk about money today, and as soon as my parents go out of town, I'll talk about the other. Amen? I just can't do it with them in town. Eh? I just can't do it. <clears throat> you know what? In our country, those two things are what's messed up the most. And the reason why is we're not dealing with it in here. We don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about grace and love and mercy while we're all going broke and wondering why. Do you know God says more about money than he does about grace? There's 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. Y'all with me? There's about 500 that deal with faith. But there are 2,300, over 2,300 verses that deal with money. Do you reckon that was important? But we don't want to talk about it. One reason is pride. Another reason we don't want to think we won't, don't want th people to think we got problems. And listen, pride goeth before a. Well, I don't want that to be here. And I've got to apologize. I really do. I've got to apologize. Some of y'all are struggling today, and it's my fault because I have not shared the whole counsel of God because it's just not. I wouldn't ask for lunch money when I was a kid. It's just not my thing. It's not my comfort zone. I was so afraid if I talked about money or if I talked about giving that, that, that people would look at me like those birds on TV because they irritate the fire out of me. I believe there's going to be a hot place in hell for people that are stealing from people today. And in, 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 in worrying about what people would think about me, I failed to tell you the whole truth. 
And I apologize. I, I please, I pray that you'll forgive me. Church, will you forgive me? Say amen. amen. Listen, some of you today, your life is going to be changed forever. If you take what's being heard, and I'm telling you, I didn't, just, I didn't just ring up something. I've been looking at this and researching it. How are we going to get help? Preacher, Lord, how can we get out of this situation that we're in? And boy, I believe God's going to help us. We've got a lot of material to cover today. We've got a lot of material to cover all month. At the end of the month, we're going to take two or three nights, maybe a Monday, Tuesday, a Wednesday night. We'll have, we'll have, we're going to pay some uh, 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 babysitters, some child care to come in, so you have no excuse not to be here. And we're going to cover a bunch of stuff, not just spiritual things, but practical things that will help you get through this time we're in. Because everybody's in it. Regardless who you are, we're in it this time. Are we, amen? Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Most of y'all don't even need your Bible. Most of you don't even need your Bible, but it's there anyhow. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Say that with me. Now, how many of y'all believe that? For real. Do y'all really believe that? All right. Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord, please. You know, this ain't my thing, Lord. Help me with it. God, give me what I stand in need of. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I know some of you are probably wondering why in the world I'd go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The number one reason is God told me to. The second thing is this. God said before they, before they understand how to, how to manage their finances, before they understand how to get more finances, before they understand all of that, they've got to get this really down deep in their soul and their heart and their mind that I started this whole thing. I am the creator. I am the designer I am the architect. Now, here's the deal. In, in, in your Bible, in, in, in Corinthians, the Bible says this. God is not the author of what? Confusion. Say that with me. God is not the author of confusion. It also says this. It says, let everything be done in decency and in order. Order. Here's the way this works. God created everything. God started everything. God designed everything. God was the architect, <clears throat> excuse me, God was the designer, and he placed everything in order. He placed everything in order. He started, <clears throat> excuse me, he started it. <clears throat> Help me with some order, Doc. He made everything go, get it going, get it rolling, and he placed everything in Now, when we get out of order, then there is confusion. How many of y'all know this world is in the midst of confusion? Libya, listen, is in confusion. Egypt is in confusion. Tunisia is in confusion. Listen, uh, China is fixing to go through one of the worst uh, inflation periods of their whole history. So is the United States. We are in confusion. Wisconsin is confusion. Ohio, confusion. We see we are broke. States are broke. They don't know what to do. They are trying, one side's fighting, saying we need to cut spending, we need to do this and do that, which is the right thing to do. Another side's fighting, no, you got to keep paying us. How are you going to pay people something you don't have? It's called confusion. Our country's in confusion. Our world is in confusion. Why? We have got things out of order. Out of order. And I, I, going into this thing, I, I was trying to figure out how to help you 
uh, uh, get things in order. And the first thing we're going to have to do is get in our heart the spiritual aspect. We can't fix anything on the outside till you fix it on the inside. Because this is a spiritual matter. It really is. Whether you think it is or not. Well, no, if I just had a better job, no, sir. No, sir, there are people that are making three times as much money as you and they are still just as broke as you are. Because they have not changed their spending habits. Because it is a spiritual deal. It is a spiritual problem. One person may make five times as much as you do, but if their spending habits are the same as you, they're going to be as broke as you are. I need a witness right there. Now listen, I promise you this. If you get what we're talking about today, it's going to be such a blessing to you. I have learned so much. I have learned so much. You don't have to be down when everybody else is. Now, I'll, I'll prove it to you. There's three things. There's basically three things that, that we want to deal with today. Three questions we're going to answer. Number one, why does God talk so much about money? Why does God talk so much about money? I told you, 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but 2,350 verses when it comes to money. Then, what is God's part in our finances. When it comes to me making money, when it comes to my survival, when it comes to me being able to provide for my family, what is God's part in that deal? How many of y'all believe God has a part in that? He sure does. He sure does. And if God has, doesn't have a part in yours, you need to get him in on the deal. Listen, what is God's part in my finances? Number, number three, what is our part in our finances? Don't be a spiritual uh, naive person and think, well, I can just sit home and ask God to take care of everything. It don't work that way. We have a part. God has a part. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You say, preacher, but you don't understand. Look at the economic situation. Look at the atmosphere. Here's the way this works. When God set everything in order, when he created everything, he put everything in order, got everything running and going, and, and, and listen, put us here put us here to live, to operate, to function, and he gave us a law to go by. There are laws of the universe. There are laws of the universe. Here's a law of the universe. Y'all, everybody paying attention back there? Watch this right here, everybody. What's that law? Law of gravity. It's the law of gravity. There are natural laws that are, it just is what it is. You say, well, we can't, we can't overcome that. Yes, you can. The law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity. The law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. That's why we can fly airplanes. That's why we can go to the moon, because there is a superior law to every natural law. You say, what does that have to do with me? Because in the Word of God, you will find out there are superior laws that can overcome natural laws. The natural eye says right now, it's too hard, it's too difficult, the economy's too bad. But the superior law says, I will supply every need you have. Here's what the natural eye says. Here's what the natural law says. If you give, if you give to somebody else, you're going to have less than what you had in the beginning. But according to the superior law of God, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I need a witness. Let me read it to you. It's right here in the book of Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. What is that? That's a supernatural law that supersedes the natural. Just like the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity, 
God can let you prosper in a bad economy. God can do the opposite. God always works in opposites. In order to be honored, you've got to be humbled. In order to live, you've got to die. In order to receive, you've got to give. How many, how, how, how many of y'all believe in the beginning God created heaven and earth? You're getting weak on me. If that's true, then Luke 6 is true. If it's true that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then Luke 6 is true. It's all there. Say amen. amen. Ain't we having fun? Wait till we get on sex. Lord, help us, Jesus. <coughs> Y'all have no idea how hard it is for me to be up here talking about this right here. But we're going to. We're going to. Why? Many of y'all have been robbed of blessings because I didn't talk about this. Now, there's going to be other things you're going to have to forgive me of later on in our ministry, but this ain't going to be one of them no more. I want you to be blessed. It ain't about raising money. It's not about none of that. It's about you having what you need. It's about you being blessed and God touching your lives and touching your families and having, having a blessing in your life that you didn't have before. Church, say amen. Look at this question. Why does God say so much about money? Why does God say so much about money? First reason. First reason. There are, there are spiritual reasons. Spiritual reasons. See, it's not all about, it's not all about <coughs> the practical things. There are spiritual reasons. What's the first spiritual reason? How we handle money... How we handle money has a significant impact on the intimacy of our relationship with Jesus Christ. How we handle money has a significant impact on the intimacy of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke 16 verse 8 says this. Luke 16 verse 8 says, If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, talking about, talking about money, if you've not been faithful in money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What does that mean? Jesus wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you and entrust you with riches of grace and mercy and his presence and his, and his, his honor and his glory. But he cannot do that if we've been unfaithful when it comes to money. And I'm not talking about giving here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the way you earn it. If you've been crooked in the way you've earned your money, you're going to have a hard time snuggling up to a holy God. And how you earn your money is just as significant as how you spend your money. Because God is holy. God is righteous. The Bible says there are four creatures around his throne crying out day and night, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, he is holy. There are no shadow of turning. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we are crooked in how we make our money, if we are unfaithful in how we spend our money, we're going to have a hard time having a close, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are spiritual reasons. If there's ever been a time that we need to be close to our Lord Jesus Christ, it's right now. If there's ever been a time that we need to feel his presence in our life, and we need to feel his assurance and his comfort in our life, it's right now. And we're going to have a hard time with that. We're going to have a hard time with that if we're not right with our money. Not only, not only the, 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 the relationship, 
How we handle our money affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. But not only that, number two, money is a primary competitor with Christ for the lordship of our lives. Now listen to what I said. Money is a primary competitor with Christ for the lordship of our lives. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What does that mean? One's going to be a God, and one's going to be a tool. Man, that's anointed. Somebody write that down, because I didn't write that down. One's going to be a God, and one's going to be a tool. Some of you here this morning wanting to use God as a tool to get money and become your God. This is, not a, this is not a formula for riches. If money is your end, you're in trouble. One will be your God. If you want to use money as a tool to bless your God, that's one thing. But if you want to use God as a tool to make more money, you can't serve both. They can't be both Lord of your life. One's got to be God. One's got to be first. One's got to be number one. Are you all with me? I know what some of you are thinking. You're just against people with money. No, sir. I want you to have a pile of it. They say money can't buy happiness, but it sure knocks the edge off of poverty. Say amen. It's not about, it's not, about not having money. I want you to have everything God has for you. I want you to be blessed. The richest men in the Bible were the most holy. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them. Now, it's not about, it's not about who's got money and who doesn't. It's how what we do with that money. God gave money to Abraham because God knew everything Abraham had belonged to him. And Abraham was not willing or not wanting to take anything or hold nothing back. Whatever he had, he was willing to give to God. And he proved it by offering up Isaac. Are you all with me? Say amen. All right, there's, there's spiritual reasons. Then B, there are practical reasons. There's practical reasons why God says so much about money. God wanted you to have a blueprint. God wanted you to have an outline, a blueprint on how to deal with money. Listen, God tells us in the Bible how to spend money, how to earn money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to give money, how to get out of debt, and how to teach our children about money. All of those are covered in God's Word. Did you hear me? How to earn it, how to spend it, how to invest it, how to save it, how to get out of debt, how to give money, how to teach our children about money. It's all in God's Word. And by the way, if you're not being able to follow up close enough with these notes, I printed off a bunch of them, and you can get them at the information booth. Because I knew we is like Smokey and the Bandit. We had a long way to go and a short time to get there, and I got to talk fast and y'all listen fast. Because there's a ton of information to cover. And I've got all of these notes out there at the information booth. You can pick one up and have everything I'm talking about here. But God wants you to have a practical step. Why? Because God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God who has things in line. He puts things in order. He created everything, and he knows how everything needs to work. He made it. He designed it. And he knows how to make everything work perfect. And he placed it all in order. Now he's given us a book of directions on how to deal with it. Because it takes money to do everything. You've got to have money to eat. You've got to have money to pay your bills. You've got to have money for electricity. You've got to have money for everything. God knows that. God knows that. And he wants to teach you how to earn it, to spend it, to save it, to invest it, to give it, to teach your children about it. Practical reasons. Number two, not only do we see why does God say so much about money. Now, this is the part you're really going to get. 
What is God's part in our finances? Preacher, I, I have a rough, rough time at my job. It's looking bad. Uh, things are not going great. They're laying people off. What do I do? Or I'm sitting in the unemployment line. What do I do? All right? First thing we're going to do is talk about God's part in my finances. God plays three roles. God plays three roles. And if you get this, if you get this today, I promise you it will change your life. If you will get what I'm telling you right now here in the next couple minutes, it will completely, dramatically change your life forever. If you would simply understand the three roles that God plays in your finances. Here's the deal. What's the first role that God plays? He plays the role of owner. He plays the role of owner. God owns everything. Now listen, the Bible says this. Psalms 24.1 The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does that mean? The earth belongs to him and everything in it belongs to him. It's kind of like your house. It's kind of like your house. Your name's on the title. You own that house and all the contents in it. Well, the Bible says that God owns the earth and everything in it. You belong to God. Your car belongs to God. Your children belongs to God. There was nobody in the Bible who understood this any more than Job. Job was the richest man in the East. And in one moment, one time, one day, it was all taken away from him. It was all snatched away. His whole family, his whole financial career, everything. He was the richest man in the East at one moment. The very next moment, he was broke as can be, sat in an ash heap, scratching the bulls on his body. And this is what he said. Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was stating, matter of fact, that God was the owner of everything. And if we can get that, we'll have no problem giving back what he asked for back. Because he owns it all. You mean to tell me he wants 10% of my check? No, no, it's his check. He gave you the job. He gave you the energy. He gave you the intelligence. He gave you the ability. He gave you the talent. He owns it all. And if we would understand that we are stewards of what God has given us, and if He trusts us with what we have, He will give you more. I need a witness. If we will just understand, He's the owner. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills under the cattle. He owns the potatoes under the hills. He owns it all. He owns the birds that fly. He owns the songs that they sing. He owns the sunrise that comes up every single day. My God owns everything. He owns everything. His sole role is ownership. And if we can get that, it's going to help us with our part. He can handle his part. We need to do our part. What's the second role? What's the second role? Not only of ownership. How many of y'all believe, before we go any further, how many of y'all believe God owns everything? Okay. All right, keep that in mind. B. The second, now, now let me say this too. Some of y'all are mad already and you, you don't even want to finish this message. But I promise you this, you're going to leave the same way you came. But some of you are going to believe what I'm saying, and it's going to transform your life. And you're going to find the blessings of God more in your life than you ever have before. Because I'm telling you, I'm preaching just as much the book and God's Word today as I've ever done in my life. And it's our job to respond and believe it. Listen, the role he plays is owner. The second, he plays a role of control. 
control. God is in ultimate control over the things in your life. 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Now watch this verse right here. Watch this verse right here. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. God is in control. What are you saying? God can put money in your bank account and God can take it out. There was a man in the Bible named Nebuchadnezzar. He had a problem with that. He thought he was the man. And God showed him that he could take his kingdom away and made him eat grass like an oxen, grow claws like an eagle. And went mad, went insane for a short period of time. And then he restored him to his kingdom. And when he was through with all that experience, when he was through with all that experience, this is what he said. And boy, I hope you're paying attention. Amen. God is the giver of kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar said he can bring them down and he can raise them up. He can bring them down and he can raise them up. What's the point? It doesn't matter what the economy is. God can make you prosper. The whole time in the land of Egypt, when everybody in the world was starving to death, Egypt was getting richer and richer and richer and richer. Why? Because they followed God's word. They did what Joseph said, and God blessed them in a bad economy. Because God is in control. He brings... Let's just get to see. Let's get to see, because this is fun part. He plays the role of owner. He plays the role of controller. He plays the role of what? Provider. See, it's not your boss. It's not your 401k. It's not your retirement. Listen, the Bible says, Matthew 6, 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. But watch what it says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I like this. And all of these things shall be added unto you. You believe that? Absolutely. Now, there's two things you can mark it down about God's provision. Two things you can mark it down about God's provision. Number one, it's predictable. Number two, it's unpredictable. God's provisions, number one, they're predictable. You can predict that God will do what he said he will do. You can mark it down, you can write it down, you can take it to the bank. God will provide for your needs. That's predictable. The unpredictable part is how he will provide for your needs. 
predictable part is he's going to. The unpredictable part is you can't figure out how he's going to. The disciples came to Jesus and said, we got to pay our taxes. We owe some money. He said, okay, go fishing. Go what? And I'm sure Peter's saying, okay, we need to go catch some fish, come take it to the market, sell it, then we'll be paid. He said, no, go fishing. And look in the mouth of the first fish you catch. What? And guess what? Went fishing, caught a fish. In the mouth of the first fish they caught, it was the money they need to pay their taxes. Church, let's go fishing. (laughs) It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. 5,000 hungry people on the hillside, in the wilderness. No Burger King. No McDonald's. No, are y'all with me? Out on the side of this hill, and God says, feed them. You have a responsibility. They came to hear the word. Now you take care of them. And the disciples said, how? We don't have enough money. Does that sound familiar? How are we going to do it? We don't have enough money. We can't do it. We can't. This was a Baptist committee. Say amen. How are we going to do it? The only thing we have is this little lad's lunch, and he's a little wormy. He needs to eat it himself. Are y'all with me? I mean, this, what is this among so many? This is what they said. I'm telling you, this was Baptist folk right here. What is this among so many? He said, just get, bring it here. Just bring it here. He began to bless it and break it and began to share with them and fed 5,000 people. That was unpredictable. You can't predict how he's going to do it. It, The the, the nation of Israel came to God or came to Moses and said, we're going to thirst to death. Did you bring us out here to dehydrate? Man, what in the world? And God said, just smite that rock over there. And water came out of a rock and gave them all what they needed. They say, we're going to starve to death. He let manna come out of heaven every single day of their life. Enough bread to feed millions of people. You just can't predict how he's going to do it. So, oh, that's just Bible stuff. Well, let me give you modern day. Let me give you modern day. When we was in the little building down there, it come time to tear that wall out because we done grow so much. How many of y'all, how many of y'all, <clears throat> How many of y'all was with me then? With me then? Yeah, we run everybody else off, didn't we? <laughs> I had this brainy idea. I just knew God was wanting us to do it, and we had to. We couldn't. We didn't. Have, we was like sardines in there. We got all the men together and figured out how much it was going to cost. It was going to cost over ten thousand dollars to do it because we're going to have to move all those air conditioning systems and all that stuff. Right, we're going to have a yard sale. Raised ten thousand dollars with a yard sale. I was naive, wasn't I? I brought at one Wednesday night. I brought a lot, brand new lawnmower I had. We had had some stuff. We had remodeled the house with a little bit and brought and put it all up on the platform. I done watched the Field of Dreams that week. I said, if we if we build it, they will come. Amen. I said, bring your stuff and we'll sell it and we'll build God's house. Well, we got all kind of stuff together. Need ten thousand dollars. That weekend, we had the yard sale. It was colder than a mother-in-law's kiss. Say amen. I'm talking about it was so cold. We, we, we made more money on hot chocolate than we did on the yard sale. Cold and wet and, and all of that. We raised a whopping total of $1,100. We were a little shy. 
This was Saturday. We were supposed to start tearing down the wall on Monday. And I'm thinking on Sunday, dear Jesus, I've done got everybody pumped up and excited. These men, they've got hammers and, and, and all of this stuff, and they're going to te tear my house down if we don't tear something down. That night, Sunday night, somebody come up with the idea, listen, preacher, we don't have to move them air conditions. We just run rods from the ceiling. We can leave them, put a recessed ceiling in. We won't have to do that. What do you think? I said, I was thinking the same thing. I wasn't. I don't know. We ended up doing that, tore out the wall, opened it up. Listen, put the, put the sheetrock back. And, and listen, had everything done but the painting. And you know how much we had in it? $900. $900. Now you say, what's the point? This is the point. This is what I'm trying to make. All we do in life is sit here and look at what we have. Or what we don't have. I was sitting here thinking, Lord, we don't have $10,000. Lord, we don't have $10,000. Lord, we don't have $10,000. And God was trying to whisper in my ear, you don't need it. Because I'm your provider. I'm just not going to tell you how I'm going to do it. Because if I do, you're going to get the credit for it. But if I do it in a, in a, in a miraculous way, you're going to have to say, wow, what a God. What a God. When David went down in that valley and killed that giant, they didn't say, wow, what a soldier. He was a lad. He was a young man. He should have got killed. They said, wow, what a God. Are y'all with me? I don't care what this economy is. God's going to do it. And he's going to do it in his way. So that you can say, "Woo, what a God. And if you keep giving him credit, he's going to keep doing it. But if you start thinking as you just doing it, you're in bad shape. Church, say amen. amen. Let's say it. What is God's part in our finances? He's, he plays the role of ownership. B, he plays the role of? C, he plays the role of? Provider. Now, let's talk about our role. We've got to do this quickly. God's got a part, and we got a part. We can't expect God to do his part if we don't do our part. If he plays the role of provider <clears throat> and owner, if he's the owner, I can't be the owner, can't have two owners. So if he's the owner of everything I have, everything I own, everything I've done, and by the way, here's what you think. Bless God, I work for this. I've done this. I'm a self-made man. I did all the... You keep thinking that, and God's going to show you how big he is. Because God can take it just as fast as he gave it. He can put you and lay you up in a hospital, and you're going to see where your money goes. Believe me. He's the owner. So if he's the owner, then that means I'm the steward. I'm the steward. I'm the manager. Say that with me. I'm the manager of what God owns. If we'll get that, it's the first step to true financial freedom. If we will understand that God is the owner and I'm the manager. God wants you to manage what he owns. Now watch this. Let's look at what the Bible says about stewards and stewardship. Number three. 
What is our part in our finances? Our responsibility is to be a faithful steward or manager of the Lord's possessions. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found... I, I lost some of you. I lost some of you. It is required in stewards that a man be found... Faithful. Luke 16.10. He that is... Faithful. Now, please don't, don't, don't stop, guys. You, 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 you're going to miss the most important part. The Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Do some of y'all want to know why God won't give you more? Because you're not faithful with what you have. God cannot trust you with any more. Because you have not been a faithful manager of what he has already given you. Some of y'all use uh, uh, what, what are the, the, the investment, uh, the guys that manage the portfolio. What are them guys' names? What do you call them guys? Stockbrokers, investment, investment, whatever. People that you trust with your money. Now, if they lose your money on a regular basis and they don't, they're not faithful and they don't do right by your money, are you going to keep giving them more money? This is a no-brainer, guys. Are you going to give them more money? No, you're going to go find somebody that's faithful with it. You're going to go find somebody that's trustworthy. You're going to go find somebody that you can have confidence in and then you're going to put your riches into them so that they can manage it properly so it could grow. God is the same way. He owns everything, and he will entrust with people who he can trust. You say, how will he ever trust me? If you will be faithful in what little that you have at the moment, God will give you more. See, our role is a steward. Say, so where do we need to be faithful? There's three areas we need to be faithful. Three areas we need to be faithful. A, we need to be faithful in working for our money. We need to be faithful in working for our money. God never used a lazy man. Every man he ever called in the Bible was already working. God does not appreciate a lazy person. You say, well, this work stuff come from the fall. No, it didn't. God gave Adam a job before the fall ever took place. Listen, we're to work hard. We're to work hard. Watch what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Why would God say that? Because the greatest motivational factor you have is hunger. I've heard people say, my kids, I wouldn't eat that. That's because you ain't hungry enough. It's like the man said, I feed my dog beans. He said, well, my dog wouldn't eat beans. He said, and mine wouldn't eat the first two weeks. <laughs> you get hungry enough, you eat anything, including your neighbor. It's a fact. And God knows when you get hungry enough, you'll work. You'll do something. Now, here's the deal. Even, even... <laughs> Even the rangers at Yellowstone know better. 
They'll say, don't feed the bears. Why? They won't go look for their own. Boy, why don't our government get that? That's a whole other series right there. We're going. Proverbs 14, 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. What does that mean? Let's translate that. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. There's a lot of people that talk a good game. I don't want to hear you talk. I want to see your action. Because when you work hard, God honors hard work. Listen, Proverbs 24, 20 verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore he shall beg in harvest and have nothing. A lazy man won't work, but then when it comes time to eat, he wants to ask from the man that will work to give him food because he didn't work. There's no such thing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not being politically correct this morning. I can't, I can't afford to be politically correct because our country's in a bad way right now. There's no such thing as free money. It's, there's no such thing as free money. When it comes from help or, or, or whatever, this is not free money. Somebody had to work for it to pay for somebody who didn't. And we don't need to be late. Now, if there's a physical uh, situation, I understand that. I'm not talking about that. I believe that the strong ought to protect the weak and, and, and that kind of thing in situations. But I'm not saying that. There's, there's, a, there's a condition in our country right now. People want to work less, get paid more, and they wonder why we're in a crisis. We speed down the road and go past the speed limit. And the guy pulls us over and we get mad. What are you doing? I'm doing my job. You go into a fence, on the fence, on the gate. It says, beware of dog. Dog will bite. And it's got a picture of a dog. <laughs> and we walk in anyhow. We walk in, go through, and we get there. And dog does what the sign said. He bites. And we said, what's going on? We get mad. Isn't this a crazy world we're living in? Lady gets coffee. See, y'all know where I'm going with this. Spills coffee. She says it was hot. Duh. And crazy judges gave her millions of dollars. And we wonder why we're all messed up. Church, our country can be that way. But our churches better not. We've got to work hard. We've got to be faithful in our working. Work hard. Man, if there was anything my dad put in me, it was a work ethic. And I'm glad. He wouldn't let us get away with anything. When it comes time for work day at the church... There'd be kids going fishing and going everywhere, and we'd see them, and we'd be out there picking up pine cones. We'd be doing something as soon as we was big enough to do anything because Dad wanted us to work for our money. Something about when you earn a living and you work for it, you appreciate it. We need to be faithful in our working. The Bible says something about a slugger too. It says he's, he's got more reasoning in his logic than seven men that can give him a reason. In other words, his reason for not working means more to him than that seven smart, wise people who gives him a reason to work. Let's move on.
Guys, let's be faithful in working. And, and let me say this too. I know, I know the job market. But don't turn down something because you're too good to make that little of money. Sometimes you got to do what you have to do till you can do what you want to do. Well, he ain't going, my boss ain't going to talk to me like that. Just, just suck it up. Did I tell y'all I worked for the Antichrist in Florida? Well, actually, it was the Antichrist's brother. He was a New Yorker. And he didn't mean nothing by it. He just talked that way. He just, every other word was a cuss word. Now, to southern people, you don't do that. I need a witness right there. I mean, if you include cuss words in your sentence, you cuss the southerner. But that was his regular talk. That was his regular language. And me and him didn't gee haw. I'm telling you, we had issues and we had problems. And, and, and man, I hated that job. I wanted to quit. There's been times I come on with tears in my eyes. And I wanted to quit so bad. But, you know, I couldn't because I had a wife and a baby at home. I sucked it up and I did what I needed to do till I could do what I wanted to do. Don't be a baby. Don't be a spoiled brat. Do what you have to do. Take care of your family. You're being mean. No, somebody's got to. It may not be the money you were making before, but that's all right. Times will change again. Just do what you got to do to get through this time, and then we'll move on up. Because if you don't, somebody else that is working is going to have to take care of you because you won't. Let's be faithful in working. Let's be faithful in working. B, let's be faithful in handling our money. Let's be faithful in handling our money. The Bible says, Proverbs 27, 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. What does that mean? You need to know what you're making. You need to know what your bills are. You need to know what, what's coming in and what's going out. Listen, don't, don't eat away your inheritance. Sometimes we may have to cut out going out to eat. I tell you what. There was a gentleman in our church. I preached in a little Methodist church. I know I'm going longer, but that's all right. We'll have a short invitation. You may need a long one. There was a gentleman in our church named Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams uh, uh, picked cotton, and his family picked cotton. Listen, Mr. Williams was an awesome guy. He said, every day of our life, for, for breakfast we ate beans. For lunch we ate beans. For dinner, guess what we had? He said, one day for lunch we come in, been working out in the field and, and picking cotton the whole time, and we was tired more, and I was sick and tired of beans. He said, I told my dad, Dad, I'm tired of beans. I want something different. He said, okay, son, that's all right. We're going back out to work. He thought, hmm. Well, in that case, I'll just, he said, no, get on back out there. If you don't want beans, go on back out there. This is all we have. Get back to work. He said, man, I was starving to death. He said, by that time, by supper time, I was proud to eat beans. See, we've been spoiled so bad in our country right now. We think we're too good for fried bologna. But I tell you this, when you're hungry enough, fried bologna is pretty good. Let's do better. 
We're going to give you all kind of ways to do that this month. But we need to get in our heart. We need to do that. We need to be more faithful in working for money. We need to be more faithful in handling our money. Dave Ramsey was on the radio. I was listening to him this week, and he said, I cannot believe our people in, the, in our country. They've gone iPad and iPod and I everything crazy. He said, don't tell me we're in a recession. He said, we've gone fruit crazy. We've got a fruit addiction called Apple. That's what he said on the radio this week. And you know what? We can't blame nobody but ourselves. I've been studying this stuff and I've been under such conviction. And we're thinking God's abandoned us and it's not us. We've been unfaithful. Listen, we need to be faithful in handling our money. Then see, write this down and we're going to close. I can tell we're getting through with this. We need to be faithful in trusting God to supply and direct us in the acquiring and dispersing of money. Here's what we'll do. If we'll say, God, if you'll help me get it, I'll put it where you want me to put it. Say that with me. If you'll help me get it, Come on now, everybody. If you'll help me get it, I'll put it where you want it. Now watch this. Now watch this. I need, I need, uh, Brother Kendrick, come on up here. Can I borrow a little man? Can I borrow a little man? Come up here, buddy. I want to show, I want to show something. Come up here, Kendrick. Stand right here. Yeah, that's it, buddy. Give me five right there. You're a handsome dude, son, I'm telling you. This is a kid. Well, uh, hold your hand. Get out of here. Hold your hands up. Turn so everybody can see you. All right. Now, this is God's hands. This is ours. All right, now, here's how this is going to work. God's going to take from his hands and put it in ours. All right, do you think these hands are going to run over? See, we take from our hands and we give out. And we disperse where God tells us to. And then we go back. Y'all catching it yet? My cup. Why? Because his hands are bigger than yours. God will never give to you what he'll give through you. If you're just going to hoard it up and hoard it up and hoard it up, he ain't going to keep giving to you. But if you give it where God tells you to give it, if you're faithful with your tithes, if you're faithful in giving to people in need and those around you, God's going to keep dumping it on you. And guess what? Your hands ain't big enough to get it all. That's why it says this. Try me. Prove me herewith. See if I will not open the windows of heaven. Give you out a blessing you cannot receive. Why? How are you going to receive all that? That's the way it works. If we'll just keep going back to God and putting it where God tells us to do it. God, God's work will never lack God's supply. Let's give God praise and glory. Give him a hand right there. Preacher, you believe all that stuff you just said? Absolutely. Why do you believe that? Because... Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Say it with me. 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He started it. This is his directions. If we will do what this says, and we're going to give you some more this month on this. If we will do what this says and understand he's the owner and I'm the steward, I'm the manager, you'll never lack for anything. Church, say amen. amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll help us, Lord. God, there's a lot of people in here that our eyes are being opened to truth in your word. Now, Lord, I pray, help us to practice this. I need to be a better manager. I need to be a better steward. I need to be a better <coughs> manager of the assets that you've given me. God, help me to do that. I can't do that till I understand I am one. Lord, I can't do that till I understand you're the owner of everything. Lord, help us to get that. Help us to get that. As every head's bowed and every eye closed. How many people here today, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, you need God to help you in your financial area. I want you to find a place in this altar. There's so many in here. Don't be prideful. Don't be shy. Let's ask God to help us. Let's just find a place in this altar and say, God, whether it's a job that's needed, whether it's a better job that's needed, whether it's a better way of handling your money, whatever it might be, let's ask God. Come on, let's just be honest with Him. Say, God, I need help in this area. I need help with my bills. I need help with my medical expenses. God, I need help in these areas. We're going to try our best to be right with you and, and honor you according to your word. Just bring it to Him. It says, you have not because you ask not. Cast your care upon the Lord. For he cared for you. Bring your financial worries. Bring your financial burdens to him. Let's put them on this altar. Let's lay them before him and say, God, you need to handle this. God, you need to handle my wrong attitude when it comes to my finances. You need to, you need to forgive my wrong behavior when it comes to my finances. God, help me today. 